Welcome to the Future Smart Parent Podcast, a place where my mom explores how to help us kids develop a new set of skills we need to face the future with confidence. I'm Jude Filston, an introverted mom trying my best to raise kids who are happy and confident, kids who embrace all that makes them unique while preparing them for an exciting future that really looks nothing like the world we grew up in. I believe there's a whole set of skills that our kids aren't being taught. These skills will be critical for them to develop in order to thrive in the future. It's up to us as parents to help them develop these skills. The Future Smart Parent podcast provides resources for parents and kids who want to be ready for all the ways in which the future is going to be different from today. We will explore this future together, bringing insights from top futurists, resources from smart people working on making our lives better, and most importantly, stories of parents who are parenting a little differently, yet very much intentionally for a changing world. So join me as we explore how we can be future smart parents raising future smart kids. So welcome back to episode three of the Future Smart Parent podcast. I have invited Graham Codrington back again today. I didn't quite get to all the questions that I had for him last week. Um, and these are questions that I'll be asking all of my guests. And so it just felt right having Graham back again today. So in today's episode, we chat about how Graham thinks parenting is different now as we prepare our kids for the future and really how this shows up in his life as he parents his three daughters. And as Graham says during our conversation, we as parents, we don't know what we are preparing our kids for. And that means we do have to approach parenting slightly differently. Graham is a dad to three daughters. He is the co-author of the book Future Proof Your Child for the 2020s and Beyond. He's also a futurist and expert on the future of work at Tomorrow Today Global. And I just truly hope that today you will find some golden parenting nuggets as we hear about Graham's approach to parenting for the 2020s and beyond. It's good to have you back for episode three. And I'm going to jump right into what I really want to ask all of my guests. And my first question is, how do you think parenting is different now as we prepare our kids for this ever-changing future? I, I think that one of the biggest things that has changed, especially as we think about the future and preparing our kids for the future, is that probably our parents had a feeling that they knew what the future was going to be like. Uh, certainly my grandparents did. Uh, so today's uh, kids, uh, you know, their great-grandparents, maybe even their great-great-grandparents, 100, 150 years ago, although they were incorrect, the, the world is always changing. I think there was a sense, even 50 years ago, that the world wasn't changing that quickly. And that the experiences, the, the insights, the approaches that parents had were worth passing on to their kids. And I, I mean, I don't think we need to spend too much time proving that that's not the case these days. I mean, just in terms of technology, right? Most of us ask our kids to help us with the technology rather than the other way around. Um, a lot of what this podcast is going to be about is kind of upskilling parents quickly so that you can learn, well, what do you do with social media? Or what do you do with this technology or that technology? 
Um, and yet a lot of our kids are already well immersed in, in that world. So I think we are the first generation of parents who know for sure that we don't know what the future will be like. And then when you think just beyond the tech and the kit you've got in your house, that then applies to, well, what jobs are going to be available? Because even if you think accountant, vet, architect, you know, teacher, nurse, doctor, whatever, are the right type of professions for your children to choose, the amount of diversity of possibilities just take a doctor, for example. You could become a robotic medical engineer as part of a doctor's uh, studies. And, and so I just think we the big, big, big difference between us and our parents is I think we know that we don't know what we are preparing our kids for. And that means we've got to approach parenting slightly differently, I think. I agree. And, and we're not saying that you have to change your values or there's certain things, of course, as parents need to keep doing the same, but there's just stuff on top that we need to, we need to add. I was having this conversation with someone the other day and they were like, no, you know, there's, there's so many things that we, that we need to keep doing. And that's not the point. Of course, we need to keep doing so many things, but there's just these, this other layer of new things that we well, have. It, uh, well, let me give you an example there, uh, Jude, because I, I agree with you, but let me give you an example that might help people. So if, we believe that respect, and let's be specific, respecting your elders yeah. is is a good value to have. So children should should be respectful of adults. Uh, what does that look like? Um, for me, when I was growing up, it meant standing up when an adult walks in a room, don't ever talk when the adults are talking, you know, and, and then my parents were taught children should be seen and not heard. The best way to be respectful is to not be here. Now, the, the question is not, should our children respect adults? Of course they should. That, that's the value and that hasn't changed. How the value is, um, shown how it's demonstrated, I think has changed. And, uh, you know, do our kids, if, if our kids are sitting around the dinner table eating and a, a neighbor walks in, do we expect them to push their chairs back, jump up and stand up? I don't think so. Well, maybe, maybe you do. I, I don't. Because for me, that's not the demonstration of respect. Do I expect my children to accept every single thing that every adult ever says without questioning because adults are always right? No, in fact, the opposite. I teach my children to question. I teach my children to respectfully push back <laughs> if they don't agree, um, especially if somebody says, well, because I said so is the answer at this stage. I don't. I tell my kids to respectfully not accept that as an answer. And, and so respect is the value, but respect looks different in different generations and different eras. Um, and, and so again, I think, I think you're right. And, and, and it was a, an important point to clarify. We're not saying today's children are going to be aliens and fundamentally different humans than we were, but how they express values is, is, is going to, has in fact already shifted. Yeah. And that over there, ladies and gentlemen, is why I have experts on my podcast um, who can verbalize exactly what I'm trying to say. So thank you, Graham. <laughs> 
So, okay, so my next question um, is how does how does this parenting for this changing future show up in your life? And you've just rattled off a handful of, of examples. Is there anything else that you have to, um, to share there? I, I think probably for me, if we are preparing our children for a ever-changing world, then we have to teach them to be ever-changing, to say to them that whatever you do, you need to find options. So if you make a choice in life, if that choice opens up more doors for you, whether you know where that choice ultimately leads to, whether it's clear about what the path is, give yourself options. And when the kids were younger, we did this um, by trying to get them to try new things. So we had a rule in our family saying, you, you never like to say you don't like something until you've tried it at least once. Uh, now, obviously, we, we, we didn't want them to do in, in immensely and crazy dangerous things. You know, you, we're, not, we're not saying, well, you can't say I don't want to jump, jump off the top of a 10-story building unless I've tried it once. Um, you know, so there, there are obviously limits to what we're saying. But in uh, still keeping everybody safe, things like, no, you can't say that you don't like that food. You know, I've, I've put a plate of food in front of you and you look at it and you maybe don't think it looks nice or it doesn't look appetizing. You can't say I don't like it because what you can say is I don't like how it looks. Fine, because that's what you've been able to experience so far. But you can't say you don't like how it tastes until you've tried it. And, you know, my, my middle daughter, Hannah, just a fun story to, to tell this. She, she had always said, no, I don't like sushi, you know, raw fish, gross. Yuck. Um, and so much so that when she broke her arm uh, once, she's broken it three times because, you know, when you give your children options in life, sometimes they take those options and then consequences. But anyway, um, she had broken her arm, I think it was the second time. So she, she arrives in hospital and um, she's in quite a lot of pain and the doctor can't see her yet, so she's waiting. And, and they gave her a little bit of morphine. Um, so she was a little bit high. Um, and all the rest. Anyway, so the, the nurse came in and said, I, I think you're going to be joining us for dinner. You know, very nice nursely type of thing to say. Uh, hi, Miss Codrington. I think you're going to be joining us for dinner. Um, is there anything you don't eat? Um, and of course, Hannah comes from a family that doesn't say anything when something else. No, of course, there's nothing I don't eat. I eat everything. But then she remembered. And so uh, Hannah's immortal words at about age 11 to a nurse at a public hospital in London was, I don't eat sushi. <laughs> and the nurse looked at her and said, I don't think there's any danger of that here, my dear. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I love but, that. <laughs> uh, you know, for us, it's been about what you eat, what you experience. And then, of course, you can take that into uh, the high school years. My, my daughters are older. And, uh, you know, that then comes down to um, what subjects do you choose uh, for matric? And, and probably uh, one of the things I most wish I could change uh, for my parenting was for my oldest daughter. We forced her to do science. We kind of had this view that 
Um, you should, if, if, so that the school forced them to do uh, two languages and, and, and maths. They didn't have a choice at that. And then they had three other options. And we kind of said, well, do one thing you love, do one thing you're brilliant at, and do one thing you need. Um, sort of to open up doors. And Amy wasn't entirely clear what she wanted to do with her life. And so my brain said, well, uh, she loves music, so she can do that. Uh, what was her other subject? I forget her other subject. But anyway, there was a subject she loved, so we let her do that. And then we said, well, you need science, so you have to do science. And in the end, she did very well. She, uh, I mean, she ended up with a, a whole fistful of uh, distinctions and she got into the course she wanted to do at university. So at, at one level, nothing was broken, nothing went wrong, but she didn't need to do science and she didn't really enjoy science, even though she was reasonably good at it and got a reasonably good mark and so on. She wasn't really good at it. I mean, she, she didn't love it. And looking back, it would have just been much better for her to do a subject that she loved. It wouldn't have made any difference uh, in her life. And to be honest, if she had got to matric, got, got to school leavers and, dis and didn't have science and thought, ooh, I actually need science because now suddenly I'm realizing I need to go I'm going into a profession that needs science. Well, your worst, worst, worst case scenario at that point is she spends another year doing matric again because you can learn if 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 you you can rewrite the subjects you can write the following year and she could have got the science if she absolutely needed it um, and so you know I think as parents as much and I and I say that to say that obviously there's no perfect parents and you, nobody ever gets this perfectly right but. In everything, whether it's what food you eat or what subjects you choose uh, at school or what university degrees you, you, you study later, if at all, create options for yourself. Uh, open doors for yourself. Give yourself options. Um, and, yeah, uh, I don't think you'll ever uh, just be disappointed later that you gave yourself more options rather than restricting yourself uh, just a little bit. Yeah, it's, um, I think it's tough without hindsight, but I, I like that. Um, and it, it takes, it takes being brave, I suppose, to, to go against what we know. And that's the whole point, the whole point of this. And you know what, just in, in telling, in telling that, that story, uh, maybe I've just realized at one level, I did that. We helped Amy to do that. So maybe, you know, you can argue this both ways. Hindsight is, is perfect, you know. So in the moment, what we were trying to do was to help Amy have options. So to say, well, Amy, if you do ever want to go into engineering or medical world or whatever, you're going to need science. So, you know, that, that was the motivation at the time. We just got it wrong. But I think you're always going to get something wrong as a parent, especially with your oldest uh, child. Um, uh, and who was it who famously said, if you've got a parent, you're going to need therapy? Uh, you know, because nobody ever gets this right perfectly all the time. The question is, what is your underlying – well, you, you, you talked about it, value – um, or values. And I think as a parent, one of your underlying values needs to give your children options. 
And that's what I've tried to do. Whether I got it right or not, all the way through, who knows, but that's what we were trying to do. So my third question is, what do you do differently as a parent and why? Or maybe, maybe let me let me tell you a story. I've done this with both of my older daughters as they reached. We've just talked about choosing subjects for uh, matric, or if, if if you're not in South Africa, that's your final year at school, your school leaving certificate year, kind of halfway between O levels and A levels if you're in the UK. And uh, uh, on the weekend before they started that final year, I took each of them out uh, individually each year uh, to a very fancy restaurant and we got all dressed up and we went out for a nice dad and daughter date, which was something we did uh, and do regularly. And on that one, I basically, I said to them that the real thing that they will remember from school, especially the last year of their school, is not what they learn and certainly not the words they write in their final exams. Uh, I mean, most of us can remember less than 10% of, of what we actually learnt, the facts and the details uh, at school. And I said to them, I said, the thing you'll remember most about your matric year, your final year at school, is the experiences that you have. So what experiences have you not yet had at school? Um, what things have you said, well, I wish I had time for that or I wish I could do this? Well, you know, now let's do those. So that's the focus this year. You are, whatever you get for your matric results, as long as you get in enough marks to make your next step, that's all you need. But what you don't want to do is leave this school with stuff undone. And to come back to Amy, because you mentioned her. So Amy uh, then said, well, she had always wanted to join the photo, the photography club. Um, and uh, I said to her, go for it. Do it. Um, let's, let's, get in, let's get you in there. Let's get you sorted. And that changed essentially the course of her life. Uh, because she dis she suddenly discovered she loved it. She ended up in one year getting colors for it, school colors for it, um, because it was just suddenly a passion and something that she loved doing. She then ended up going to university to study a media production, uh, um, and, and now she's in her final year of studying that, and she's already got herself uh, a job at a media production company um, doing brilliantly. And I just wonder if she would have done any of that if she hadn't created options for herself um, in, in her final year. So if, if I can generalize that into a principle, um, don't work as hard as you possibly can as a parent to make sure your kids fit into the system. Work as hard as you possibly can as a parent to help your kids discover who they really are and use the system to help you to get that job done. Uh, you won't regret doing that. So that's I've, I've always tried to subvert the system to help my kids find out who they really are. I love that. I, um, and I think, I think so many of us 
forget to help our kids just truly find their their passions. I think sometimes it's quite overwhelming and it's probably easier to stick within the system, but um, I like how you say to to use the system to find their passions um, and to keep trying. It might not come in the first year, it might not come in the in the first ten years, but for them just to to keep looking, I think it's an important. And, and look, your kids won't always love you for it. Amy has tried out for every sport on the planet, including synchronized swimming, um, which is still one of the things I think she might be in therapy for. Um, uh, because <laughs> we said uh, we, there is a system here that will give you opportunities to try out things and see whether you like them or not. And uh, we, I mean, I remember we sent Amy to like a water polo boot camp. Um, and I, I mean, I think she was destroyed in a week. Uh, I mean, I just, she's, she, she's not a water polo player. I mean, anybody on the planet could have told you that. Um, but she did it. And one of her best friends is likely to be the South African water polo goalkeeper at the, at the Olympics this year. Um, and they best friends. And so, yeah, you know, wasn't all wasted. Uh, she got a good friend out of it and she at least knows what water polo is. Um, and we'll watch it at the Olympics this year. But yeah, it, it's not about always finding out what do your kids what makes your kids happy and, you know, what things do your kids love? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying what gives your kids the most options? And sometimes you've got to push them as a parent. Sometimes you've got to get them to do things they wouldn't choose to do themselves because you know better as a parent that what you're trying to do is help them to work out what they love and don't love, can and can't do, want to and don't want to do. And sometimes you've got to just do it first uh, before you work that out. Okay. So I think I've just had one of those parenting aha moments because up until now, that's what we've been doing. It's kind of, Layla, do you want to do this? Um, and we've almost put her in the driving seat. But what I'm hearing you saying is, we've got to be more intentional almost to go, you know, try this. You might not think you're going to like it, but try it because we can. Am I- and, and you'd also go a bit further. So I know that, that Leila is a budding musician, right? Yeah. There are, as far as I know, zero musicians on this planet that, that never thought, I've had enough of this. I, I want to give up. Uh, there comes a time when you reach the level of your, let's call it natural ability. And then you've got to push further if you want to get better. And that's the time when most kids walk away from music because their parents are just going, oh, you know, you don't like it anymore. Whereas if you've seen in your child the potential that music might be something that unlocks, that unlocks their soul. Who, who cares about their abilities and their talents? I mean, you know, mm. those are easy to develop. You can, you can see when your child is lost in rapture, is lost in wonder with something. And don't let them ever give that stuff up. When it gets hard, be there with them and help them through the tough. Um, so they come out the other side. But yeah. It, it, it shouldn't be all in their hands. Uh, that's why they're the kids and you're the parents. Um, 
you know. Yeah. And again, there's no formula to that. You push, you push, and sometimes you, you know, sometimes you push your kid to do science when maybe later you realize you shouldn't have. But hey, as long as you're opening options, I think that's the message of this uh, yeah. episode. As long as you're creating options for your kids, that you, you as the parent, are the door opener, not the door closer, uh, then you're not doing the wrong thing as a parent, in my opinion. Graham, we're almost out of time, but what I just would like to finish this session up with is I'd love to hear from you what has been your most defining moments as a as a future smart parent? There's lots, obviously. I, I mean, and there's some wonderful, like, 100% out of 100% experiences and then some real lows as well. Um, I, I think I probably don't have to add too much to what I've already said in this episode. I think defining moments for me as a parent have been when I have realized I've been a door closer. I've seen in my child's eyes or I've worked out only later and the worst is when you work it out when it's too late, you know, years and years later, that you said no to something you should have said yes to. And, you know, if if I could go back, I I would listen harder to Amy saying, but I don't want to do science and and I would change it. And then having learned that lesson with my second daughter, Hannah, where she came and she said she wanted to switch subjects after six months of of making the choice. Um, And it was easier at that point to remember to be the door opener um, rather than the door closer. And on that note, I think it's a, a good point to just to say thank you for this conversation and the insights and for the thought process that will come after this for myself as a parent. Um, And I look forward to having you not on to episode four, but I look forward to having you back again to talk more things parenting. So thank you. Pleasure, Jude. And just for everybody, don't try and get it right. Don't look for the right answer. Look for the answer that opens the most doors and then just go through it. If later it, it was the wrong door to go through, okay, so be it. But in the moment, you're not looking for the right door. You're looking for the most number of doors you can open and then you'll be doing a future smart parenting job. Thank you, Graham.